Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Monthly Movie News, a new segment on Cinematic Doctrine where we discuss important movie news from the previous month. In this episode, I'm joined by Daniel and Carter as we talk about the huge Warner Brothers news that their entire movie release schedule for 2021 would launch not only in theaters, but also on HBO Max the same day. That's wild news that shakes the entire movie industry to its core. So we speculate on how this decision came to fruition, what it means for the future of theaters, and if the general movie watcher will jump at the opportunity to visit the theater once vaccines are widely distributed and COVID is a thing of the past. Also, we spend like 10 minutes talking about the Saw franchise. Whoops. If you enjoy the show, you can always stop by the Cinematic Doctrine Patreon and show your support with a $3 monthly donation. Doesn't seem like much, but it really helps us out when upgrading equipment and producing more content. If you support the show through Patreon, you also get access to some sick perks like voting on a movie we discuss at the end of each month, as well as exclusive access to the pre-show, a special show that's a bit more freeform with general Christian film or personal discussions. You can also catch Cinematic Doctrine on social media, links are in the show notes. And don't be afraid to leave us a review and give us your unfiltered thoughts on the show. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And lastly, you can check out cinematicdoctrine.com for written editorials and think pieces, as well as brief thoughts on trailers when they come out. All this will be available in the show notes. Without further ado, let's talk some news. Can you hear me eating a, a Hershey's Kiss? Yeah. Uh, I mean, not really, but it's okay. okay. At least you don't have coronavirus, like <laughs> maybe like, me. Not like two-thirds of a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. what a way to start. Um, yeah, my wife, she tested positive. I could have it, but what's really great about podcasting is we're all in different states, but then that's also pretty bad because that means three different states could potentially have really bad coronavirus cases. Who knows? Um, don't worry. Um, we're all staying in, taking it easy, staying safe, but... Uh, my nose is on fire, so that's not fun. <laughs> what about you guys? How are you doing? You guys feeling healthy, safe, good? <laughs> <laughs> well, Melvin, my wife also tested positive, so uh, kind of on the same same path yeah. as you here. But other than that, it's been good, man. I can't, I can't complain. <laughs> Besides the COVID diagnosis, can't complain. Can't complain. Oh, that it's glass good. half full. It was a matter of time. I feel like if you have been listening to a podcast like all year, so like if there's even one or two people this year who have listened to us every episode, there are dozens of you. I know it. No, I know there's a lot. 
I'm sure there's other podcasts you've been listening to where like someone on the show just mentions it. And, you know, we mention it because we want prayer or eager for it. We hope you guys can be praying for us. Uh, and we're also glad to be giving you guys some good, good stuff. Also, this episode might be like, like we're recording near the end of December. So it might come out January. We'll be okay or dead. So, you know, still pray anyway. But <laughs> Lord willing, we're still around though. That's so the we'll hook see. that keeps people listening is that drama. But... <laughs> The will they won't they if nothing's episode yeah. uh, no episodes are uploaded <laughs> after like what a wonder woman one it's like well, i guess they yeah suddenly radio <laughs> silence around it's because <laughs> melvin died and carter and i both don't want to be bothered with editing or <laughs> uploading we'd be lost without melvin yeah it'd be like such a weird <laughs> sad kind of thing to like in 2024 there will be these productions or maybe even like a wiki and it's like all of these content creators or producers that were like they're producing fine in 2020 and then like there's the tweet the fatal complicating incident of like i got coronavirus and then it's like the last several months of their content they produced or weeks they produced and then that just stops because they passed away or something yeah it sounds like a plot line from michael bay's uh latest production Song songbird <laughs> yeah which also takes place in 2024 the poor poor taste award the poor <laughs> taste too award. soon yeah. i saw the chair and i was like who wants to watch this like it, what how is this what anybody is interested in checking out it's like i need more <laughs> i need more covid in my life i need i need it to also be my entertainment yeah. i was even thinking like what's the horror movie in the future or Maybe like Jason X thriller drama. Jason X. <laughs> what's the Jason X uh, film? No, but like, what's the dr thriller drama horror flick in the future that's going to include no swabbing as one of its like petrifying scenes? Because you know how like horror movies always have that gross out scene that makes you wince. So anything with eyes or yeah. teeth, so then, surgery, like, and then the it's future like they have like he has to swab his own nose. Or else Saw is going to kill him. <laughs> it's like everyone will so, understand. Wait, like, oh, that's horrible. Melvin, do you think the villain of the Saw franchise is called Saw? No, I, I know <laughs> it's Saw. Saw will kill him. <laughs> Tobin Bell. I don't know. I'm just saying. That's like, the actor. <laughs> what's, his, what's his actual name? I know Jigsaw. I've seen Saw Jig movies. Jigsaw. Just, Jigsaw. Right. Or Pig. Oh, that's right. There was, there's got to be some Radio Shack guy employee who's like, I sold that old guy so many tape recorders. What is he doing with all of them? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, well, it's like when you're at Radio Shack, not just Radio Shack, but like a, a like, man, Saw movies are amazing to talk about because the plot line's so bizarre. But anyways, yeah. um, you know how like if you were to go to like a Wawa and buy a bunch of gift cards, they would be like, are you being... Are you scammed. being like scammed right now? <laughs> it's like if you were to go to a store and buy a bunch of tape recorders, they're like, are you... Jigsaw. <laughs> Are you Ducted. Saw? <laughs> saw Are you his saw? friends call him. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> a shorthand name. What a name. Yeah. First name Jig, last name Saw. Yeah. It's just like in part of the employee handbook for any of those mini marts. <laughs> if somebody buys a bunch of gift cards, ask them if they're being scammed. <laughs> if, someone the bottom, of... if someone buys a bunch of tape recorders. Ask them if they've abducted anybody recently. <laughs> Ask them if they have a twisted view of morality and they're trying to teach people lessons. <laughs> this guy has lived his whole life selling insurance, and this guy has smoked his whole life. You did not sell him insurance. Now choose who lives. Let's play a game. <laughs> he wasn't in my district. And he just shoots him with a giant cigarette. I don't know. I haven't seen it's the song. So but I assume that's what they're like. That's so good. 
I own like half the franchise on DVD though. I just had the first one's very good. The first one is one. very, very good. Low budget. We only have one room and a tiny set movie. That's where James Wan and James and Wan directed. Lee yeah. Wanell's in it. Yeah. And he and he helped make it too. He was I think he helped write and kind of helped produce it a little, but very good. Carrie Elwes does a very interesting tie performance. There's there's like a point where <laughs> Carrie Elwes is like panicking, but it's like he's whimpering like a little dog. But like I know that sounds so cynical and nasty. Like it almost sounds mean spirit of me to mock him because his character is supposed to be abducted and tied to a radiator. But like yeah. it's not a good performance it's very that one scene is very funny to watch but the rest of the film very good i bought it for my mom during christmas one year she really enjoyed it so wow. check out saw one i really really do not like the twist ending of saw i really don't like it at all it, it kills the whole movie for me it kills the whole movie for me in that world i think it works in the, in the twisted world of saw just like how hannibal like the the tv show hannibal half the things that happen in it don't make sense but in the twisted world of Hannibal, I think it, I think it works. My wife and I just started Hannibal, and we're like a few episodes in. It's really good. I'm really sad it got canceled, but happy it might get brought back because that's just what happens now. Because that's what Netflix does. We're here to talk about though, Warner Media and Warner Media's big HBO Max kind of announcement because they're trying to make you watch HBO Max because nobody, nobody's watching HBO Max. Big announcement that all the movies for 2021, at least all of the ones that they listed, but I think it was comprehensively every single film that was going to release in theaters and a lot of movies that got pushed back from 2020 will simultaneously release in theaters and for a month limited viewing on HBO Max. So this includes movies like, man, wild movies like Dune. There's also Godzilla versus King Kong. Godzilla versus King Kong. We got Mortal Kombat. We got Suicide Squad. Every every Warner Brothers movie that you were looking forward to. I mean, really, it's it's the highest class uh, streaming slate any any streaming service has ever had. I mean, right. yeah. Netflix, even Netflix and all of its money has never matched the kind of slate that that would potentially be because obviously it was a slate met. For theaters, not for streaming. Right. Yeah. And it's all known prop. Most of it is known properties or big things that were going to be coming out or had been working on for a very long time. It's the equivalent of like, like Netflix has never been working on something except for maybe Stranger Things, where your geek website is constantly giving you updates on who's cast, who's put under the director's chair, mm -hmm. what's going to be, what have we known from previous films paired alongside what Easter eggs are there. Netflix has released very good stuff or successful stuff, I should say, because uh, not all of it's good. Meanwhile, these are films that people have been watching and like basically have like just on the press attention alone, have a reliable chance of doing well in theaters that are immediately now thrown on to HBO Max. Did you guys kind of expect this? I feel like I semi so I. I'm just going to toot my own horn and say I predicted the Wonder Woman thing. Just call me a modern day prophet. I guess that's how podcasting goes. Did you guys suspect they would go all the way with every single film? Do you guys kind of expect that? So um, my my producer just handed me a piece of paper here. It's um, all of the <laughs> here are all 17 movies that as of this recording are scheduled to release on HBO Max throughout 2021. Though, as we will get into, this is a contested list as nobody's happy about it. But here they are. Dune, The Matrix 4, The Suicide Squad, 
Godzilla versus Kong, Mortal Kombat, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Okay. Malignant, Space Jam, New Legacy, In the Heights, very excited about that. The Many Saints of New York, King Richard, Cry Macho, Reminiscence, Those Who Wish Me Dead, The Little Things, Judas and the Black Messiah, which is supposed to be the big awards film of 2021, and my personal favorite, Tom and Jerry, the live action one that's starring right. Chloe Moretz. That's right. <laughs> so there, that that's a that is a heavy heavy lineup. There's a lot of heavy hitters there, and it's all kinds of heavy hitters. It's blockbusters. It's awards season based. It's kids it's like films. Ma- kids films. Yeah. Matrix Matrix Four. It's the most illustrious streaming slate we've ever seen. What's What's amazing about this decision to me is it sort of caps off 2020s big industry questions of like. Basically, distributors going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? They're like, well, we can't distribute in theaters, but we kind of want to because that's what we know. And they've constantly been looking at this leap of faith and going, but I don't have enough faith to make this decision. I don't have enough faith to to make the jump and just distribute to streaming or distribute to, we'll just mail people screeners (laughs) across the entire world. I don't know. Just something else. And finally... After several months of we tried theaters, we tried them again, they shut down. Coronavirus is literally now in the worst it's ever been, worse than March, and putting their hands up and going, all right, let's put it on streaming. Did you think that we would ever kind of reach this point? Did you think that, how do you feel about the decision? Like, this is just a big deal. So like, what what is just going on in your minds? I mean, Daniel, you haven't even been on the podcast for like six months. What have you been thinking the last few months, man? What's what's going um, on? <laughs> early early on in the pandemic, one of the things I noted to, I don't know who he's talking to, must have been a coworker or something, but is that people are pointing at COVID, the pandemic as being this thing that's ruining a bunch of things. But I don't even know if it's just that, if it's just, or if it's just really hastening a lot of things that were kind of already in the works where it's almost like the pandemic is just really accenting all the weaknesses that were kind of already there and widening the cracks that are in the wall. And I mean, we see this with like the death of like brick and mortar stores. We see this with um, like the plight of poor movie theaters. And now this is kind of the real, yeah, death knell. And hopefully this is, I hope that this gets contested to at least some degree to mitigate this, but um, yeah, just like everyone, and their mother is predicting, oh, yeah, streaming is going to be the way to go. Um, if anything, the Disney model seems to be kind of where a lot of the money is, where they're going to pour not quite a film budget into a mini series of production, but pretty close to it, or to at least to get that authentic movie theater feel for things like The Mandalorian, you see some Marvel shows, and spread them out, release date to ensure people stay subscribed to your service. And that was kind of like where the trend seemed to be going. But this is just, this is, this is just wild. I just, I was worried this would happen. I don't know if you would say that I was like expecting it, but I was sitting there like, I really hope somebody doesn't just pull the trigger and throw their slate on it. Cause I, I saw a couple of different people predicting this sort of thing would happen. It was more just a sense of like, who would be the first to take the plunge and Warner Brothers was that. And Walt Disney Pictures kind of did this a little bit too, when they said a lot of the what is it? The live action remakes would go straight to Disney plus didn't, wasn't there a, like it was, that was like November when that came out it didn't take yeah. as, didn't make as much of a splash that as I expected it to, but it's also the, the last few live action remakes they've done haven't been very successful. So maybe that's why that seemed like the, what they were already planning and doing for the launch of the service. So it seemed less because Disney was very kind of weird about it 
where they initially announced like some big projects for the streaming, some big projects for not, which is a problem you get into, not problem, which is something you can do when you own a bunch of stuff already and you can just kind of pick and choose what you release and what. And it seemed less, that seemed less like a huge change of course versus just moving assets around where like, okay, we're going to keep some of these things in theater. Some of these we're just going to push over to streaming. And so that's that I probably a big reason why that made much less of a, a ripple effect in the, in the, in the, among the trades and stuff is just cause that's was like, Oh, like, I guess Disney's doing that. And I think when they, I, what was it they announced was getting moved over? There's one big one that was just kind of like, I already thought that was releasing Disney plus. I didn't even, I don't even realize it was a new story. Are you talking about an upcoming movie, Dan, like soul or like Raya and the last dragon? I know those are two movies that are going straight to Disney plus, which those are more shocked at, but it was, there was some live action thing. They announced it might've been that Cruella DeVille movie. I I just assumed that was going to release in Disney plus already. So I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think that new Peter Pan and Wendy movie from David Lowry even though it hasn't shot yet, I think is in the that, really? the goal is to put that on Disney Plus. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. That'll be fun. I love Lowry, but Melvin, I was just gonna. So one thing that I was gonna say about this news was this was some of the most shocking movie news I think I've gotten over the past year uh, for a few reasons. One, it's Warner Brothers, the, the studio of Christopher Nolan. These Warner <laughs> Brothers has consistently. Um, you know, supported theaters or tried to, even yeah. Tenet really probably hurt them in the long run. And and I think you're dealing with three entities here. You obviously you have ATT, right? The the corporate overlord. Then you have the Warner Brothers Film Studio, which has delivered this really awesome slate. I mean, Warner Brothers is probably my favorite studio because they deliver slates like this. I mean, you have stuff for families, you have Oscar stuff, you have stuff like Dune from a master like Denis. It's like, come on. And then I think the third entity here, we mentioned him earlier, is Christopher Nolan. He's kind of like this all-consuming black hole that represents the artists <laughs> here. And, you know, the funny thing about this HBO Max move was his latest movie, Tenet, Christopher Nolan's latest movie, which I love, uh, was the catalyst for this move. Because it right. underperformed so poorly. It killed theaters. It was supposed to save them and it killed them. <laughs> it did, man. And and it yeah. and Sad. really it killed the outlook for 2021 where they're like, hey, we have all these movies and we can't keep pushing this off. We have to, you know, get a, a return for our investment. And so I think that's why they had to make this decision. And and there's two things I'll say. As a fan, I'm I'm like I'm okay with this because I get to, that, that means these movies are not going to get pushed back. Again, things are tentative right now, right? but I'm like, yes, I want to see Dune. I want to see these things. But at the same time, the way they went about it was pretty questionable by not letting their talent know. Yeah. You know, like we, right. we had talked about right. 20 minutes before they let most of the directors know and, and stars, Hey, this is what we're doing. Right. This, this industry altering move. And so, you know, I think it's very interesting. So many different conversations around art and commerce too. I mean, look at what Nolan had to say um, about Tenet's performance. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, that the studio, the studios just need to get used to a new normal when it comes to box office returns. And it's like, I, you know, I can see where you're going, Nolan, and I, I agree to a point, but 
it's very easy to say when you're not footing the bill like these studios are. Right, when he's not – Nolan is not in a position where he needs to self-finance his own production anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's kind of at a point where people are like, yeah, we'll throw money at you. And if he was self-financing, he'd be like, this is ridiculous. I need to go back to doing low-budget movies. <laughs> and honestly, that would be kind of cool for Nolan to see him go mm-hmm. super low budget. Maybe his explosions would be made with like Legos and stuff. I don't know. It'd be <laughs> awesome. Make Memento too. It, it, but it's so interesting to see the different the different angles here. I mean, you have the artist who's saying that, who I, I love Nolan. I love his movies and I love theaters too. So there's a, there, my heart is with him, but it's also in a, in a strange way with with the corporate overlord, at least I understand why right. they had they had to make this move. I mean, the, the pandemic has backed everybody up into a corner. And, you know, so it's going to be really interesting to see where things go from here. And the, the discourse around it has been fascinating. Yeah. Right. And it's a, I think you brought up a good, good little thing there where you talked about how certain directors or actors or really everybody involved in a movie was kind of called. Like so, so I forget the particular date that this um, this news dropped, but pretty much twenty minutes before the official like exclusive um, news broke about um, HBO taking all these movies for a time, twenty minutes or so before like director John Lee Hancock, who has the little things coming out in January, which again is also going to be on streaming um, with HBO Max for about a month, was pretty much just on the phone with his producer who, who he's worked with for a long, long time with the producer saying like, yeah, this is the decision we've decided. There's really no negotiating. We're going to have it in theaters, but it's going to HBO Max, which frankly is where people are going to see it anyway. And one of the big changes is now a lot of talent agents are having to, when they make contracts, like already, when they're starting to make contracts for their actors and their clients, they're starting to include in those contracts details about like, if this person's going to be in this movie and it was going to be in theaters, but it will be then moved to streaming, they're changing the legal expectations regarding whether or not this actor has to market the film. Because initially they would be marketing like, yeah, go see it in theaters because that's part of that's part of the contract. We'll pay you more money if you go ahead and also market it. But if it's going to be on streaming, it can really change it because there's a lot of old hats. And I don't mean this in a in a wrong way, more just in a way that like an old way of doing things is you're pulling them into theaters. I mean, this is why over the entire coronavirus pandemic, Tom Hanks had kind of been like regularly just like, man, it's such a bummer. My World War II movie that I that I wrote is going to Apple Plus. It's not supposed to be seen on TV. It's supposed to be seen in theaters. But then again, like a modern day movie watcher like us, like obviously we prefer theaters, but we're really used to watching these big budget productions on television. And at this point, like I'm looking at my 40 inch television that I sit maybe four meters away from on my couch. So it's already pretty big anyway. And my speakers are fine. Like it's I'm not losing a whole lot by watching it here. But there's a big difference for a lot of these people. And so there's just going to be not just as customers of media and people who engage it, but also behind the scenes, there's just a lot changing that's sort of taking place. You know, just like yeah. every trailer says, the world is changing. And that's just kind of how it is. Um, it's it's interesting. Not to, not to go too far off topic, but I think one of the things that this I really don't like about this. I don't think people are considering is that the more things go to streaming, 
the fewer big movies you're going to get. Yes. Yeah. The silver lining would be we could be have far more what, you know, what we whatever was considered mid, a mid budget film now. But studios are not going to spend 200, 300 million dollars to make a movie if it's going to get what is essentially the same return as a $90 movie. You're going to these big films, which is kind of what's weird about it. Like you're not going to get a Godzilla versus Kong movie again if everything goes to streaming. You might mm-hmm. get a movie with that title, but you're not going to get something with that level of grandeur, that level of like destruction. They're not going to throw all their money at these productions if there's no reason to. Because what we had for a little bit was like this arms race of blockbusters where studios are trying to outdo each other. You're When you lose those big tentpole, big uh, event films, those are going to go away, which is weird because that's like the majority of what's kind of also selling these streaming services. Disney Plus is being held up by the pillars of Star Wars, Marvel, and the Disney branding. And so like the death of those kinds of movies would be like catastrophic. You're going to see fewer high concept science fiction films, the ones that with weirder pitches, because they're already difficult to make and and justify the spending on them. We'll get back to the age of it's on a sci-fi planet, but it's just the woods that they didn't have to license for shooting. It's it's, it's a sci-fi planet. It's like the planets in Interstellar. Where it's like, this planet is water, you know, you're going to get a lot of that. (laughs) Or you're going to get like Farscape from the sci-fi channel where they're going to want to do all these big things, but they're working on what's maybe a TV budget. Right. And that's just what really frightens me about this prospect. And I'm kind of glad people are pushing back on it. It's just because filmmakers like making movies and they like making the taking the visions they see in their head and putting on screen. And if they can't feasibly do that anymore because the market doesn't exist anymore, you're going to lose those things. So Comparatively, though, that means like you were talking about Godzilla in particular, we won't have sweatshops of animation artists having to work overtime just to get like what a Sonic the Hedgehog out and uh, a cat's movie out just to fall apart. I mean, I think there's there's good and bad to everything. Right. But like because there has been a lot of um, when it comes to like CGI in particular, that particular part of the film industry is just a big black spot in terms of like the treatment of the work. And, and I don't think that's going to go negative. away if we switch to streaming. <laughs> I it, think, I, well, if it's lower, I think budget, it's get streamlined. I mean, I guess it's true. It could become more streamlined, but I think in terms of if the budget's lower, people are going to be like, well, we don't want to do our big giant CGI action destruction kind of film. If it's going to cost us this much money, but I don't know. I think to Dan's point, I think, like something we'll see more of the Mandalorian where, you know, instead yeah. of these studios putting in, putting $200 million in a two hour movie, they're going to put it 200 million into, you know, an eight episode season. Right, right. So it can really draw in those costs per minute. will go those, down. that crowd, which, which, which I, I agree, Dan, it hurts because I, as a fan of the, the storytelling that goes into filmmaking, which is very different from TV and both have their, you know, their benefits, but for film, it's, it's unique because a, a director has to do everything in a two, two and a half hour span where when it comes to TV, you can take your time, which for me, there's some thrilling TV episodes, but also some things that are, are a little slower because they have that time to build yeah. the characters. And so it, it, it's kind of a tangent, but it relates to HBO max. I think this is how, you know, the film industry is changing. The biggest star in the world, and Leonardo DiCaprio, is shooting the, his first Netflix movie right now with Adam McKay. And this is the first oh, right. streaming yeah. movie that DiCaprio has ever mm-hmm. done. It's called Don't Look Up. I mean, it's 
huge cast. It's it it looks pretty pretty hilarious. You know, all the guys they got like I heard Jonah Hill is playing the son of Meryl Streep, and Meryl Streep is the president of the United States. You know, just fun <laughs> stuff like that. Like I'm sold. I'm sold. Yeah, gotta watch it now. <laughs> yeah, next year, man. Next year, it just watching DiCaprio film a Netflix movie like this. It show like even DiCaprio who. I mean, he he is our our number one star in the world. He can make like The Revenant made five hundred million dollars, and that's not a movie that usually makes five hundred million dollars. Yeah, you know that's when you know the world is changing. He knows the money is headed towards streaming. The world is changing. Yep, yep. So <sighs> we're just living it, in one big trailer, man. Yeah, I thinking about that <laughs> <What>? particular. <laughs> Come on, it's a podcast, right? We just have to put like in Carter dumb just gave up on his point at the end of that. <laughs> like no, I think it's a good point because Carter, you were mentioning DiCaprio <laughs> and doing a Netflix movie, and then my first thought was how Tarantino has, you know, kind of behind the scenes. There's been so much like rumor talk that he just basically loves Netflix because he really liked that they put up their Hateful Eight extended cut. He really likes. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. There was. During Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's a lot of stuff that just isn't in the full film that like I got rescreened and there was supposed to be a director's cut rescreening. But then like apparently it wasn't actually a director's cut rescreening. It was just normal because I, I saw it again a couple months later when it was put back in. But it was just the same movie. I was really frustrated. I was like, well, at least at least I like this movie. So that's yeah. cool. But like. But the, there was talk where basically he was saying, like, if you're not in the movie, don't worry. There's going to be a Netflix cut probably. Uh, for Hollywood, which is fine. That movie is made like a mini series. It might as well have a longer cut. Yeah. I, what was it? There was always jokes about it being a crossover with Mindhunter because the same actor who plays Manson yes. is in both. Same Charles Manson actor. But um, even he, like behind the scenes, is like I, I kind of like Netflix. So I can, I can see there becoming a lot more normalization of streaming, Netflix in particular. I think what this HBO news, Warner Media HBO news, paired alongside. Yeah, DiCaprio doing a Netflix film, all of that put together. I think, Daniel, yeah, you saying this expedited things. Obviously, that's sort of been the vernacular we've seen a lot over the last few months. I would say this is sort of the the end all of this exp expediency is like this is where we've headed. And I think this will be seen as the the beginning of the like the new age in the sense of this is where it's this is where it's all going. That's really interesting. I you just made me think like what what if we shared hey these are this is what we think is going to happen because I think I think we've kind of I mean you just shared right there but I think that was interesting because it's like what do we actually think is going to happen? I, I'd be interested to hear you elaborate too, Melvin, and then Dan what what you would have to say. Well, I just went so Dan, you go take over, man. You got this. You're great. You're awesome. I mean, there's what I want to happen. And there's what I think is going to happen i think so the stimulus bill that just got passed is supposed to have money for movie theaters particularly with an uh, bent towards independent theaters i could definitely see one of these companies just buying outright buying a movie theater companies chain as in sony or water media or disney or Disney, yeah company as in yeah one of the big conglomerates and treating movie theater releases almost like advertising for the streaming services and for some things you'll get big like it'll be a big event like the new Avengers movie or the new Star Wars movie will have a big theater experience. And they know that you might even see like ticket prices go up for that because they know the type of people who'd want to see those movies in theaters 
wouldn't mind paying an extra couple bucks just for that experience of going to a theater. So you're thinking it'll be like Eternals, where it was or not Eternals, what was the um, Immortals? What's the Marvel show that started in theaters and it totally fell apart? Inhumans, where they're going to be like, check out the first episode in theaters or check out this movie in theaters, knowing that there's going to be subsequent stuff, but just not burn in a fire like Inhumans. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think I think some some big companies going to try and have their cake and eat it too. They're going to yeah. tr- treat the theater experience like a night out, like an event, almost like it's like a glorified theme park ride. And I can think of one company that knows a thing or two about theme park rides and no, do I wonder that. which one that is. It's Sony. But um you could have <laughs> like <laughs> or like you could have a thing where what amc is doing right now i know because i get that the notification on my phone four or five times a day where <laughs> yeah, they're really come, trying with those push notifications man. we're uh, alive we're, you can come to us <laughs> come see elf for five dollars you know and it's it's going to be that though where like some theaters some i could also see a company buying a theater and using it as like a showcase for some like tried and true properties where half the movies in a theater are going to be something they have in their back catalog and maybe even extended scenes too where like, Ooh, yeah, like come, come back again you saw avengers but come see unedited unfinished yeah. scenes from avengers or get, too. like see the unrated cut of this horror movie but right. i would really hope that in a, a silver lining thing would be that you see more theaters taking chances on smaller films because they just need things to show where like in a world for example where disney buys amc and so AMC has a monopoly on certain franchises. I could see Showcase turning around and being like, we're going to be like the more like we're not Alamo Drafthouse, but we are going to be the more um, indie film friendly theater chain. We're going to have better pricing. We're going to show a lot of smaller films. We're going to have like a week where we show what was at Cannes or a week where we're going to show what's at Sundance, where I hopefully in a good world where like in the the good side of like capitalistic system where it actually does breed innovation where like one theater has to really reinvent the wheel in some ways to try and get people to come in but mm. i i think unfortunately i mean this is just the trend where for a while theaters were doing really really well but i i saw a billion articles talking about this in 2018 2017 talking about the bubble's going to burst movies can only get so big you can only get somebody feel hyped up for an event like the end game and infinity war took almost a decade of build up to get to that, to get to the, get the numbers they had and you just can't replicate them. And so a industry that is growing more increasingly dependent upon a particular trick that a particular pony can do can only survive for so long. So unless the theater business becomes a luxury business where it's the same thing as going to Disneyland or Disney World. You go to the theater once or twice a year to see that big movie. When, ugh, like, I dread the thought of, like, they really, to try and sell it, they're going to have more 3D, more 4D stuff where they blow air and <laughs> smells in your face or something. Yeah. Or um, or it becomes a more niche thing where every theater becomes essentially a version of the Alamo Draft House. But, yeah, I just, I'm not optimistic and it breaks my heart because movie theaters really hold a very special place in my heart. So even though you weren't allowed to go to them during college. No, but my grandmother <laughs> took me to them when I was five. So, uh, <laughs> and I did go to the movie theater almost every weekend while in college um, <laughs> because I went home every weekend and I actually double checked with my RA at one point. I was like, can yeah, I do this like, without getting I'm not out? at school? And he's like, listen, you can do whatever you want. 
but like that's on your conscience. And I was like, excellent. So <laughs> well, it's on my conscience. If I, I saw this Piranha 3D <laughs> the week after he said that, you're making me stumble. Um, I was like, yeah. And I was like, don't offer me this. Isn't meat Piranha 3D this- the James Cameron one? Which one's the James Cameron one? He did a Piranha. That film. one's that was one the of his first ones. He did Piranha. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Piranha oh, okay, 2. Okay, okay. His best movie, Piranha 2, that's uh, right. arguably. But... <laughs> his masterpiece. Yeah. Magnum Opus, the first film. Yeah. Could you imagine? Avatar like, 4 is going to be Piranha 3. Don't yeah. tell anyone. But I, I have a scooper. Um, um, no, I, I, that sounds a lot like what Carter kind of wrote in his piece. Everyone should go to the website, check it out. One man's optimistic take on the plug, 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 plug. I, yeah, yeah I don't know. Cause like you're Daniel, you said like some people were optimistic about theaters about how they were doing better. But like all I've ever heard is that the only company that was doing better in terms of ticket sales when it came to movie theaters was Disney, was Disney's big movies, even when they were just outright stinkers like Dumbo and The Lion King, where even though they weren't well rated or even general audiences didn't like them, they still made like $2 billion or something. And so like, but all other movies weren't doing well. And like Carter, you, you, both of you guys had a similar sentiment of these, this is going to open the doorway to more independent movies to be screening. Well, but like, I, I don't know if you guys are near multiplexes. I know I am and they have independent movies and they just don't do well. Um, these movies don't draw in the crowds. The only ones that are like low budget films, because independents are assumedly, 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 Presum- presumably, presumably. Thank you, Daniel. Okay. Um, presumably, I still don't even think I said it right. <laughs> <laughs> assuming, he says all these, <laughs> assuming all these movies are low budget, the only ones that ever actually pull in money that do well are like blumhouse films and at that point they're not independent yeah. anymore they're still what is blumhouse sony i can't remember i think they're universal universal yeah yes. so like the yeah. only thing universal does well is blumhouse but and i just don't see these doing well just because what there's nothing else in screening like because it's not <laughs> right, that people are nothing else like like yeah people aren't compelled just to go to the movies and we'll just pick a movie like people go to the movie theaters right specific not movie. anymore some people yeah. do that and some movies do get by with doing that like Medea films would just do that and christmas films sort of do that and even halloween movies do that but now even horror movies are just screening in the beginning of the year anyway like for some reason so now it's like just sort of a catch-all every like they're just trying every companies are just trying and and because that's in contrast to like I could read a book, I could play a video game, I could be on social media, I could watch on streaming, I could spend time with my pet, I could go for a walk, especially now as new hobbies are taking hold, where like hunting is hugely popular again this year. And part of that is also as economics get harder for lower income people, mid to low low income hunting and stuff like that becomes a lot more popular and stuff. But like there's just so many other things going on that I just don't think theaters I think it's too myopic to just think like, ah, theaters will do better when it comes to independent screens. I I see a bit more of what you're saying, Dan, where theaters might become more event stuff, where like it would be like turning up what AMC and Regal do to 11, where they would be like, come see the new Avengers or Jurassic World. Also, you get a playbill. Also, you get (laughs) stickers. Yeah. Someone dressed like Iron Man will punch you in the stomach every time there's an action scene. (laughs) (laughs) Like, really get into it. it. (laughs) 
Um, I see it being almost even more obnoxious where it could be like stay after for 30 minutes to have like a fan conversation. And it's like, <laughs> I'm not horrible. really interested. That's, yeah. yeah, that sounds like really uninteresting to me. I can do that on social media already. Um, and I can do that from the comfort of my own bed. And so I see things going in more that direction. I also see sort of an old distribution model where movies will definitely like if you want to see all kinds of movies you'll be in new york or la and all films yeah. will be shown there but then if they succeed well in new york or la they will expand into different markets and so you could have a movie that screens in january that if it does really well starts creeping into other theaters screening i don't know it's screening in la and new york and it does really well there Six months later, you finally see it in your Midwest theater, <laughs> single screen theater, yeah. because it's done so well over the course of the few months that finally it's in your area. I I just see things getting a little more older. I don't know how to describe kind of what I'm thinking, but that's also because I'm not in saying. this industry. I don't know the inner machinations of it all. It's just spilled milk to me, but... Um, I just, I'm not as positive or hopeful, but I'm also like, I don't think that's bad either. Like I, I, my ideal, let me tell you this. My ideal is more local screenings, um, theaters that already have accepted their more special niche things. So like Ambler theater, we did an interview with them a while back. Still, still good. If you want to hear how theaters handled, uh, the coronavirus pandemic and old monthly movie news. Um, Ambo Theater does a lot of local screenings and special screenings, and they get by by donations, by patron supporters and stuff like that. And I'm OK with that because that means they can just screen whatever they want. <laughs> um, Sundance right. movies already get them. Can movies already get them. Special local stuff already get them. The local or um, the last broadcast, one of my favorite movies, um, kind of a found footage mockumentary horror flick, sort of. And it was shot like within my tri-state area and they actors who were in it live in the area they did a special screening a couple of months ago or like a year ago now and uh i was able to see the directors because they live in the area and like that's way more interesting to me so i think i think things are just going to be more specialized is what i'm getting at as opposed yeah. to this big overtly geeky stuff if they want that they're going to go just straight to streaming yeah to, to kind of clarify my statement like i kind of was insinuating what you're saying to an extent or i think it's not so much that theaters will just start playing other movies which people will just automatically watch those instead that's not how human beings work i was i was more saying that theaters are going to have to lean into whatever niche they tr try and capitalize on where you will see more of like a theater will sell itself as like an artisan like curated thing where mm, we will okay. have the quality that you don't get from those other big theaters. And I think even, I mean, it really is knowing your area because even something like, like if you live in kind of a New York kind of area, you don't have to worry about this nearly as much because there's going to be theater. all kinds of people living. Yeah. yeah. And some, and there are going to be filmmakers until God returns that want their film to debut in a theater, even if it is destined to end up on Netflix or Hulu, they're going to want that premiere. And so that's that I don't think that's going to go away as long as there's like hot seat, like totsy, like um, filmmakers out there. Quentin Tarantino owns his own movie theater that he has stated that until he dies, it's going to show uh, films in like 70 millimeter. So like those people are always going to exist. And I but I think that's relevant to where you are, because if you're in the middle of nowhere, 
your theater is not going to survive on donations. It's just not. And that's the sad reality of it. Now, conversely, those tend to also be areas that don't get great internet, which is what has kept videos, some video stores alive for so long. So like, I think it's less that like theaters are going to just switch to showing like, all right, who's got, who's got, who's got a criterion, criterion like <laughs> subscription. Let's just start streaming those movies. You know, it's yeah, not going to be that yeah, yeah. it's going to be that you're going to see more movies, try and replicate what Alamo draft house does. I also think that one thing theaters could try and do, and this is something you have to work out with distributors, is be like an early access thing where a movie is going to, this is going to premiere on HBO Max in March, but we're going to be screening this in February. So if you want to get ahead of it. So like what Netflix kind of does, but doesn't advertise, like Mank, Carter, you saw it in theaters, I think early. And then two weeks later, it was in. It was in theater or on streaming. They did that with Roma. I don't know why they wouldn't advertise that. They did but... that with um, Irishman last year. They did that, which that would have been a wild experience. Three and a half hours <laughs> sitting in a theater. I did it. It was fun. <laughs> I saw um, gods and generals like that. Yeah. Car- Carter, when you saw it in theaters, did they have an intermission or was it just three and a half hours straight? <laughs> it was three and a half hours straight. It was, wow. it was a, an entire afternoon. Yeah. It was, it was, intense, it's well paced though. So that's, that's, it good. is, it, you know, it, that movie has really grown in, in my esteem the past watching it again. Melvin, you had a great review last year too about it, but yeah, that movie devastated me, dude. <laughs> it's devastating, that man. Insane. <laughs> lots of, lots of, uh, you can look at it. You know, through the Christian worldview, there's a lot of very, um, I think, insightful things that Scorsese has to say, even if he maybe, you know, doesn't know the Lord. I think He's got a wild spirituality. He does. He does. But yeah, I, yeah, he does. Like regarding theaters and Netflix, I think I, I'm a little more optimistic. And you guys, if, if you've read the that editorial I put out, um, I was actually inspired by Jason Blum. He actually had an interview with the pod. I think it's called The Business. Um, the pod. Uh, it's a podcast, movie podcast. And they were talking, and he was talking about how, obviously, he's bearish um, on the short term when it comes to movie theaters. Mm-hmm. They're going to be struggling short term, but long term, he sees this what what's come from you know the tension that's arisen between theaters and studios over the window, right? Which it's always been a 90 day window, no matter what, no matter what movie. And we know there are very different movies. Like in my editorial, I gave the example of Freaky, which is a small horror comedy from Universal. And then, you know, like Jurassic World Dominion, which is, you know, their big tent pole. I think that Jurassic World Dominion, and this was Blum's point, is that's going to have that 90-day window, right? That, that Those theater, those studios need theaters. They have a vested interest in theaters because they're not going to make a billion dollars at home. Um, you know, that that's really their goldmine of one movie making a billion dollars. Now, on the other hand, you have a movie like Freaky, which I think movies like that, they'll be in theaters for much shorter of amount of a much shorter amount of time, but you'll still see them in there. And so for those who really want to go see it, I think you'll be able to see it there. It's not going to do crazy business, but it's going to be a nice primer for that PVOD uh, money that, that Universal will make. Right. And so I think, honestly, I, I do think neck by this time next year, I think the film industry will be fairly similar to what it was in 2019. Uh, I think we'll see you know, the Paul Thomas Anderson movie, I think we'll see those things in theaters. And here's why, like Melvin, you had mentioned just independent theater, like independent movies are not driving people to the theaters, which I, I, I agree. But when you look at like 
what's showing in theaters. You know, you have a call to spy, you have fat man, which I know you love Melvin, but <laughs> I, I don't know. Fat man was so good. I don't know many people <laughs> who are going to be going, going to see that. You know, it's not, it's not the new Wes Anderson film. It's not the uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Not many film. people are going to see a new Wes Anderson movie. I mean, you'd be surprised. I, Grand I, know, Hotel I know a made, lot of people see him, but made a hundred, yeah. 150 million, I think. And that's that, going to draw that movie that, was really popular for some reason. Yeah. That's going to draw that older crowd. And so I think, you're, you're going to have more nuance around the windows for smaller films. They're going to have a much shorter window. Uh, but I, I still think a good amount of them will be in theaters. And then, like I said, I think the, the studios themselves, they have such a vested interest in these theaters doing well um, or at least surviving because they know when it comes to, I mean, and, and this is why we're seeing legendary fighting back against Warner brothers when it comes to Dune and Kong versus Godzilla. It's because, the way you start a franchise, it has to be in the theater, uh, at least historically, yeah. right? That that could change, but and obviously the franchise itself, like if you look at Star Wars, where do they make most of their money? It's their merchandise, but that's because they've they have that trust built in based on what you've seen on the big screen, these big events right. that are kind of larger than life, and so I think studios recognize for their for the long term viability of these big franchises and start new ones, they need to premiere on on the big screen so i you know i do think by next year we're going to be in a similar place um where we were in 2019 late 2019 could be but it's very interesting very interesting very interesting to kind of look at the conversations that have come around windowing and how that i think that's going to be more nuanced based on yeah yeah i think the thing to really kind of leave it on is that either companies can figure out the stranger things effect and succeed in creating a franchise through streaming or they're going to have to go back to yeah movie theaters it's one or the other cuz stranger things i mean that's the biggest win netflix has had i think since probably since house of cards because of just how much franchise potential it's it's created well one thing i think we haven't really brought up in the conversation but i think is really key to everything we're talking about people like having something to do and like going to a movie theater for we're really looking at this through the lens of like we're movie people. We like movies. We're we're thinking about like what's the best way to see a movie, what's the best experience to have. And we're like basing this conversation kind of really around other people that to some extent going to the movies is just part of their life in some way. But they're like the larger audience, they're looking for a night out. They want something, they want to go out to eat, they want to go see a movie, they want to go somewhere to go on a first date. And that I don't think you can replicate as well with something like streaming. Like even like you can sit there and say like, oh, you can invite a friend over to watch Netflix. But like two 15 year old kids, they want to stay at their parents' house and hang out. (laughs) They're going to want to get away from their parents. They're going to want to go out. A couple going out for a date night. Part of the appeal is just getting out of your house to go do something. And so it's not that like the thing has kept theaters in business so long despite VHS and Betamax, despite already what we've seen from streaming, despite home video and Blockbuster and stuff, the thing has kept it, the, one of the big things has kept it in, in business for so long is just like the active experience of going to another location to see something on a giant screen so far has not been replicated by anything you can do at home. You can get a giant TV, much bigger of a giant TV as you want. You can get a really nice sound system, but you're still in your living room. You're still in your house. And unless you're someone who can afford a private theater, um, I don't think you can really replace that. And so I think movie theaters really just need to sort of pivot into that. And I think if they just lowered ticket prices a little bit, if they could figure out how to like 
keep back the studios at bay as far as like gouging them for ticket prices if they can make concessions a little more affordable or figure out a way to market like meal deals or something like people like going to things they like going out to eat even though they could cook at home they like just you know i know people who just get in the car and drive because they just want to do something and i think post pandemic people are really going to want to do something yep they're really going to want to they're just because they can they're going to want to go to a movie theater it wouldn't surprise me if we saw a boom in business of like almost like semi-retro-ish businesses where people are going to go to movie theater they're going to go to brick and mortar stores yeah you know i i think that's going to be that's that is the biggest competition for streaming is as much as people like to slay around and just put the office on for a long time be comfy you're going to want to at least once every once in a once in a while you're going to want to go out to the theater yeah, it's it's important that you mention that too because I was thinking about like how am I as like someone who like how do I engage companies nowadays and like what 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 are my habits that I sort of project in the future and one of the things about like we're obviously recording 2 days before Christmas and so people are just Amazon is on their mind because they've been using their Prime 2-day shipping to get the last few presents and something I've noticed about how I engage online companies and sort of in comparison to brick and mortar experiences, I actually don't like personally buying on Amazon because of how many um, fake products you can end up getting or broken things. And, and um, you don't, Amazon doesn't have that seal of approval that like when I'm purchasing from them, it's actually gone through like a quality control system. Whereas a brick and mortar store is like, if I'm going to put this on my shelf, they need to meet some sort of standard for instance, there's there's like some Netflix, there's a Netflix show. I can't remember what it's called, but it covers like really interesting, like fake products and stuff like that. And one of the topics was talking about like the sale of beauty products through Amazon and how a lot of it is fake. And so like there's horror stories of like people buying these lipsticks that they think are from genuine sellers only to put it on their lips and their lips seal shut because it's all fake made in some sort of uh like just made from glue because it imitates the same texture as the initial original product mm-hmm. and so now these people are having like my lips are sealed shut and i have this panic attack of like i this hurts like i can't do anything and then amazon can't do anything about it because they're like well they didn't like they sold you a bad product but the law doesn't go far enough for fake products to be like we'll pursue this and spend the money to figure out where these are from Apologies that this is only coming up in my mind after we've been talking and I haven't prepared to talk about it. But I, my habits have dictated that like if I'm going to buy something, I'd rather go out to the store and buy it now. Even though that's so like I'm a millennial, shouldn't I be growing up and thinking I'd rather buy everything online? But that also goes for a lot of my like other services I engage. Like I don't like buying DoorDash and Uber Eats and stuff because of how bad these companies are for like they take so much of a cut from the restaurants that are being purchased from some restaurants aren't even on these sites and yet they're selling on the sites because Uber Eats is just like, ah, we found this restaurant that exists. Yeah. They haven't signed up for us, but someone might still want to buy from it. So then they take a menu from their website, which maybe if it's a local restaurant, they haven't updated their website in three years. So there's products they don't sell anymore. There's even some some restaurants that don't deliver 
that are getting negative reviews on Google and other stuff because they're saying deliver uh, delivered me cold food. And these people are like, I don't deliver. What are they talking about? Delivered me cold food. In other words, there's a lot of these online services and products that you engage that are starting to like buy bad practices, push people away. I'm one of them. And so I find myself more inclined to brick and mortar. And so on the other side of COVID, I find myself wanting to go to stores more often. I find myself, yeah, I'm a theater guy, but I would want to go to theaters more often. So I guess like not just looking at theaters, but kind of capping all of this together in terms of customer habits, do you sort of see like not just in movie theaters wanting to get out of your house to go theaters, but do you think in a broader sense, Culturally, this might be where things are headed is going back to the classic brick and mortar store. I think, uh, you know, all related to this, like I haven't been to a basketball game in a long time. I'm more of a football guy, but, you know, I told my wife a few days ago, I was like, when the Suns are playing, like, and and the stadium's open or the, the, you know, whatever is open, we're going to (laughs) go. And I would have never said (laughs) that before COVID, but I, I, I agree, Melvin. I think there will be an appetite to, to go to those physical places because people have been cooped up and, mm-hmm. and yeah, there will be new habits that they've gotten, but, uh, or that they've acquired, but I do think that desire will be there. Yeah. Like even live concerts. Yep. Like I didn't realize how much I liked going every couple months to a live concert until mm-hmm. they all died. <laughs> yeah. I had, I had concert tickets and a live podcast recording tickets for like my brother and my brother and me and oh, both of those man. got canceled. They were supposed oh. to take place in March. By both of them actually no the concert supposed to be in may it's supposed to be like for my birthday oh well <laughs> i missed that <laughs> sorry it's just it. but like so um what do you guys think about this like spider-man thing uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> what does jamie fox say in the the amazing spider-man 2 he said he says something like let's go let's go hunting for a spider or something that's just <laughs> Priceless. Yeah, that's right. There's in, something in that really electro cringe. voice. You know, yeah. I, I think we could we could close it with that. But uh, <laughs> of that course, clip? she's <laughs> just <one> <laughs> <time>. <laughs> Yeah, we, I think I think that'd be a good, DMCA take down clip to close things. Yeah, <laughs> for like the worst one of the worst lines in any superhero film in a long time. It's something really bad too. It's like let's go catch a spider or something. You know, and he says it like that. <laughs> let's go catch a spider. Yeah, yeah, it. so yeah. bad. <laughs> Mark Webb just. Perfect. Mark everything, <laughs> everything about that film is perfect. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Monthly Movie News. We hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed the show, always feel free to share your thoughts on the show with a review, follow us on social media, check out the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group, or support us on Patreon and get some sick perks. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier. Thanks so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support means the world to us. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.